Hello, I'm Dr. Jean. Hello, I'm Dr. Amelia Kelly. And today we are bringing you the topic of divorce. Is it the right time to end your marriage? And how would you know if it's the right time? We are talking with Kate Anthony today. And if you're interested in this topic, then stay tuned. Welcome to the Sensitivity Doctors Podcast. Here we explore everything from overcoming anxiety to living in a world not always designed for our sensitive wiring. Whether it's navigating business, parenthood, overcoming trauma, or getting what you want out of your relationships, we invite you to this empowering journey of self-compassion and growth. Sit back, relax, and here are your hosts. Today, we are joined by Kate Anthony, and she is the host of the New York Times recommended podcast, The Divorce Survival Guide Podcast, and a divorce coach who helps women with children, especially, decide if they should stay in or leave their marriages, and then either helps them heal their relationships or exit with grace. For the last decade, she's worked with hundreds of women all over the world, helping them make the most difficult decision of their lives and transition out of toxic marriages. Author of the book, the D word, making the ultimate decision about your marriage. She's here to talk to us today about making this difficult choice. Welcome, Kate. We're so happy to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. You have such an interesting journey and such an interesting background as well. I mean, I think if I read it correctly, you were on Grey's Anatomy um, <laughs> for a few seasons. And, was. Yeah. and now you're here with this amazing book that you've written. I really enjoyed reading it. I saw so much of myself um, with my parents and the many divorces I went through with them. And I worked for a divorce attorney as a oh, really yeah. long time. So I, I see oh, wow, a lot yeah. of that in there. I, I'm wondering if you can take us a little bit through your journey. How did you get here? How did you go from being um, a mom, a wife in a committed marriage and on Grey's Anatomy to making that ultimate decision and then deciding to really yeah. help actually, I think, coach women to be their best self and to find their happiness. I was, you know, I was raised in New York City. I was the child of actors. Um, and I, as you said, I was an actor myself uh, for many years. And I was very creative and uh, inspiring. And I, you know, had this very sort of you know, I think successful career path ahead of me. And I got into a marriage that was really destructive to my sense of self, to my ability to communicate, to it clouded so much about what I knew about myself and who I was. And at a certain point, I was sort of living these almost parallel tracks in my life that didn't didn't work together. One was being an actor, being on Grey's Anatomy, being um, sort of, you know, quote unquote, successful in that arena. And then on the other track was feeling like a Stepford wife, like I was losing my sense of self, that I didn't know who I really was anymore. And I was losing my footing in my sense of, you know, capital mm -hmm. S self for a really long time. And at a certain point, 
I started questioning, like, is this what marriage is? Is there something else I can do? Is there one more thing around the corner that I can do to fix this? Or is it time to go, right? Mm -hmm. At what point do you know that it's time to go, that you've tried everything? And I asked a very dear friend of mine who was one of the only people that I knew who had been divorced and we were in group couples therapy. And I said, how do you know when it's time? And he said, when you know, you'll know. And that was not <laughs> the burning bush I was looking for. That was not, um, you know, the like, <laughs> like, here's the answer that I really wanted. And ultimately, I did have that knowledge, like that frying pan moment when I suddenly knew. Take us through that moment, because it was the moment of standing in front mm. of the closet. Mm -hmm. And something happened mm -hmm. to you that right. day when you were standing in front of the closet and you just had this realization, okay, I know what happened there. How did that come about? So I was, I did have a moment in my closet where I was staring kind of vacantly into my closet and I had sort of become that sort of vacant person. Um, and I was, I was standing there staring vacantly in my closet and all of a sudden I did, I got hit with this bolt of lightning of clarity that while I had been told over and over again that I had to stay for my son, mm. I knew in that moment I had to leave for him. Mm. And I knew that mm. he was going to become abusive like his dad, that he was going to treat women really poorly uh, if he grew up to be straight, which he did. Um that he was going to choose codependent women or perhaps really awesome women that he would then devalue systematically over time. Like I just saw the whole thing play out and I recognized mm -hmm. that the relationship that we were in was his direct model for relationships and that he will, he would, that was his blueprint that we were handing to him. And it was in that moment that I was like, I got to go. I got to go. That's it. I have to go for him. Mm. Um, and, and that was really it. I did. I knew in a flash. And ultimately, when I got out of my marriage and I rebuilt my sense of self and who I was and started to live more in alignment with that more powerful, confident part of myself, I started to, I really wanted to help other women. I knew that there had to be a better way than just waiting to know, mm. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Just sitting around waiting. And the more I learned, the more that I learned about abuse and emotional abuse and what it was like to live, you know, what it is um, to live in an abusive relationship and that that's what had been happening to me and that all of my sense of self that had been stripped away was actually part of the systematic design of abuse, uh, which I hadn't known before. And so I really wanted to shine a light on that for other women so that this other woman didn't have to sit waiting for this, you know, frying pan moment mm -hmm. in their closet. 
<laughs> you know. I love that idea of the sense of self versus, I mean, you had talked about in your book, the you and the inner self and how being able to have that relationship and that ability to talk to those parts mm. is really important in making mm. this decision. Can you unpack what that means and also maybe what you want women that you work with to know about this? Yeah, it's really the work that I do as a coach, which is different from, you know, the work that you do as a therapist with parts work, right? But it's all the same, just different labels and um, mm -hmm. terminology. But essentially, I believe that we all have an inner sense of knowing that women's intuition is one of the most powerful things in the universe. Um so much so that an entire patriarchal system has been designed to try to separate separate us from it, to mm. sort of quash it. We've been, you know, persecuted and murdered for it, um, among other things. And mm -hmm. so it's it's that powerful, right? Mm -hmm. And so if it's that powerful, it must be worth something. And so I really believe that we all have our, our sense of knowing within ourselves. Um, and then we have all the other crap that layers on top of it, right? All the other voices. But there is this, I sort of think of it as a ground swelling voice, right? It's the voice that's telling you there's something wrong. Mm -hmm. There's something wrong. It's not you. Um, and I... So I really want to help women, and I have a chapter in my book about helping them, ways to help them drop into that voice and that sense of knowing um, and connecting to what they really know to be true. So once we connect with that inner self, that our intuition, those that higher self, um, you know, then we have all the other voices that start to come in. And one of the one of the parts that I work with with my clients often is the inner critic and what that critic is saying to um, saying to you. And also, where does it come from? Like, what is the, you know, the outside influence, the internal influence, what, you know, and to personify it, to make it bigger, to make it right, to sort of maybe look at how ridiculous it actually is sounding or what might be true. What might, what maybe 2% truth might there be that you can tap into to go, you know what? I actually hadn't thought about that. And that's actually interesting information. Um, because very often the critic is really just a part of ourselves that was installed at some earlier point in time as a protection mechanism. That's just not really needed or necessary anymore. And so when we can identify that, Right. So then we've got these two pieces. We've got the the inner what I call the inner guide, right, our intuition and then our inner critic. And as soon as we start to identify all of these voices, then we get to be a choice. Mm -hmm. Then we get to say, actually, I hear what you're saying. Thank you for sharing. But act, but that's not really relevant to what's going on right now. Appreciate mm -hmm. it. Or mm -hmm. thank you for sharing. I'll take that under advisement. You know, for example, an inner critic who might say, you know, you haven't worked in 15 years. How on earth are you going to support yourself? Um, you know, and a critic might say that really meanly or in a nasty way. But if you take out the 
the the tone of voice or something, mm-hmm. you might be left with some inter- interesting information. Gosh, I'm not sure, actually. That's a really interesting thing that I'm going to have to look at. And maybe I need to have a consultation with an attorney so that I can find out what the laws are, where I live, what I might be entitled to in terms of support. Maybe I do need to start looking for a job before I get to um, the point of pulling the plug or filing or even telling my spouse that I want a divorce. Right. So there's all, so there's, there's, it's not necessarily, you know, I think the mistake is to say, oh, that's just your critic. Don't listen to it. Mm. Right. Because also, you know, what we resist persists. Right. So yeah. the more we just like, la, 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 don't listen, don't listen, don't listen, the louder it gets. Right. This is like a voice in a system that is ignored just gets bigger and bigger and bigger until the system has to listen. And so, you know, let's turn towards it and find out. Do you want to learn how to identify red flags in a potentially abusive relationship? Are you curious whether the relationship you're in is healthy? Do you feel like it's impossible to leave and you want to know how to get out safely? Then you truly will want to pick up a copy of What I Wish I Knew, Surviving and Thriving After an Abusive Relationship, co-authored by our very own Dr. Amelia Kelly and Kendall Ann Combs. Check out the link in the episode notes below, get it on Audible or head over to amazon.com to get your copy of What I Wish I Knew, Surviving and Thriving After an Abusive Relationship today. You brought up such a pivotal thing that so many of my clients struggle with, Mm -hmm. and that's divorce and finances. Yep. And the fear and the stress of what to do. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, look, in today's economy, and our housing crisis, it's a very real thing that I don't want to gloss over, right? Because I would just be another part of that system that, you know, that to say like, oh, don't think about that. Don't worry about that, right? No, we actually have to think about that. Um, you might need to have a consultation with a certified divorce lending professional to find out if you can keep the house, if you can get off the, you know, mm. get, you know, get your name off of the deed, all of the things, if you own a home, but also, you know, can you afford a second rent? No matter what in divorce, you are taking the income that has supported one household and dividing it in two. And in the U S today, that is a tall order. But also, I I live in Los Angeles. That's insane. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And I also think um, going back to my experience with my clients, what they what many of them misunderstood is this is not an instant thing. So, yes, you've made this ultimate decision of, okay, I think I want to get a divorce. We've spoken about it. Now the whole financial thing comes into play. But it takes time for that to work out. You're not instantly going to have support. You're not instantly going to have the money you need to be able to get that second apartment or no even co-parent it takes time to go through the court system and figure everything out and who's responsible for what it's really something you have to prepare for and think about absolutely absolutely especially if it's contentious right so Mm -hmm. a lot of people I i would say a majority of people who are getting divorced 
who have children in particular have to live together for a period of time um, while they're separated, while they're figuring stuff out, while they're trying to figure out like, okay, well, who is going to keep the house? Um, and can we find something affordable in our air, in our immediate area? I always advise if whenever possible to stay in the same community. Mm. Um, it just makes it, mm. if your kids are 50% of the time, if they're split in two and they're out of their community and they're, you know, 45 minutes away from their friends, half of the time, it's just really not in their best interest. Right. So yeah. It takes time to make all those decisions to be able to find, and that's in the best case scenario. Mm. Then you've got, you know, situations of you know, abuse, financial abuse, which is enormous. Mm -hmm. And how are we, you know, or somebody who is the, you know, the non-moneyed spouse and how are they going to be able to, right, do, is there, is it possible for us to get a temporary order? which as you said, Jean mm -hmm. could take a good amount of time. Mm. So there's, yeah. yeah, there's so many things to consider in the financial realm of things. Um, mm -hmm. And if it's at all contentious, you'll probably need an attorney to help navigate that. And then you'll have to wait for your court date. I don't know how it is in the yeah. States, but the mm -hmm. last time I practiced yeah. in South Africa, a court date could take up to two, two and a half years. So wow. especially if it's contentious because yep. you're going back and forth and he's filing and you're filing and it's yeah it's very additionally emotionally draining <laughs> with everything mm -hmm. you're already going through. Um oh my gosh, my marriage has come to an end. Obviously, when I got yeah. married, that's not that's not the hopes with which I got married. You're still dealing with all of those emotions, and now you have all of these extras that come along and in my situation with my um, dad and his fourth marriage, <laughs> I was very close to my stepmom and she was the non-financial spouse and he sure. didn't want her to work. My dad was very narcissistic. Uh, they got divorced when she was 39 years old and she had nothing. She had to move right. back in with her parents. She didn't even have a microwave. She had her clothes and she moved in to her parents' house and she had to start all over. Um, she hadn't worked for 10 years. She had to go. She was a hairdresser and she had to go back to old friends and ask them for a job again. Um, it was devastating. Sure. Mm. Yeah. As Listen, I think any, it, my biggest advice to people who are not yet married and getting married is please don't ever, ever give up your mm. financial independence. It is the biggest mistake that we make. And here's the deal. I made it. I made that mistake. Um, we make it because it's the fairy tale. It's the fantasy. Mm -hmm. It's what's sold to us as being the be all end all. Right. Mm -hmm. When I right. realized, I, so I was pregnant when I realized that, that my, when my husband's income started to grow, Mm -hmm. and sort of take over my income, right? So it was now he was making double what he had been making and like it was going up and up and up. And we were like, whoa, mm -hmm. I'm pregnant. We can do this. Like we can do it. Like the fantasy, mm -hmm. the ultimate. The American dream. <laughs> the American dream. <laughs> Sorry. 
No, you know, the, what you both are saying brings up one other point too, that I think of with clients that I work with, where not just whether or not you can be financially independent, because that is ideal, but at the very least financially aware. Yeah. Cause I see too many circumstances where the spouse will say, don't worry, I have it. I've got the bills taken care of. And they're the only ones who have access. Mm -hmm. And that is very dangerous. And that was very much her case. Uh, he used to come mm. home on Sundays after drinking with his friends and he would take her car and he would go and put gas in her car. He wouldn't even give her money to go and put gas in her car. He would take the car. He would take put gas in the car, bring it back. Um, yeah. You know, she got almost like pocket money. Uh, he traveled right. so much and he would leave her cash. <laughs> you know so yeah it's it's called an allowance and if you're an adult mm. and someone's giving <laughs> you an allowance that's a huge red yeah. flag yeah yes huge mm -hmm. thank you um, for giving me a word for it now to use with my adult clients because it carries a lot of weight when you try to reference an adult having an allowance yeah, we call Absolutely. it pocket money and so that's yeah, the same <laughs> right, exactly it's the same yeah. Yeah, pocket money and allowance it's the same thing exactly mm -hmm. um absolutely it's really it's really dangerous and again right my husband takes my car and he fills it up with gas like he takes such good care of me mm. oh she wasn't right in the, she didn't in feel the that way at all even <laughs> in the beginning because mm -mm. in the beginning we're sort of like oh that's so sweet. He's taking care of me. He takes my car and he takes it for a wash and he takes it, puts a gas in it. Like I don't have to do it. You know, that's, yeah. and, and it can feel, it can feel, it can feel that way. It can feel like you're being taken care of. Right. I know somebody who, um, was a very accomplished in, in, you know, in her career, she was also in graduate school. She was working, um, she was like, you know, working full time in grad school full time. And then she met her husband who was wealthy. First thing he did was bought her a new car. And then she stopped going to school and she stopped working because it was all so much, mm -hmm. um, and very stressful for her. And to her, it felt like she was being so cared for. Yeah. I don't need to do all these mm -hmm. things, but then you know, right. cut to 10 years later and he's cheating on her and she wants to leave. And she's, you know, she did have financial rights on her side, but it took a long time for her to learn that because her first thought was, I'm going to be penniless. Mm -hmm. And I had to say to her, he makes a lot of money. You're not going to be penniless. Let's <laughs> just like, mm -hmm. but she really didn't know that. And right. so it kept yeah. her there for so much longer. It almost yeah. sounds like, abuse. <laughs> I was going to say it, it sounds like love bombing in a weird yes. financially abusive way. It is. It is love bombing, mm -hmm. right? Let mm -hmm. me buy you a car. You don't have to work, right? Oh my goodness. And then you get the Rolex and the diamonds and the yada, yada, right? And even if it's not on that level, it still feels in our culture, like we're being taken care of in the mm -hmm. way that we have been programmed to want and desire. Mm -hmm. I think a flip side to that is, um, and this is also this example, and I think it go, goes back to what you explained in the book about understanding who you are and what you want as a person. And, you know, that also integrates into the self with the capital S that you speak about. And 
my example, the red flags were probably there in the beginning because she never wanted this. She never felt like he was taking care of me. And I th- that's where I think a lot of their clashes came because he wanted that control. And she was always saying, no, but I don't want that. I want to work. I Why can't I work? Why can't I do? She was very firm about these things. And I think then it started becoming, he was so romantic, very, very, very chivalrous. And he would take her on these wonderful trips and vacations. And I think then you feel, oh, it's okay. He didn't mean it that way. Or, And then it's 10 years later, five or 10 years later, and you've lost that sense of, okay, but who am I? What are the choices that I am making for myself? Where was that line again about what is okay for me and what is not okay for me? Because this is all getting a little blurry. blurry. (laughs) Sure, sure. (laughs) And the trips, you know, all of that, that is love bombing. And the trips are like, oh, you know, this is why I don't want you to, if you, if you worked, we couldn't go on these amazing trips. This Mm. is why, so that we have the freedom you know, you don't need mm-hmm. to. Let's have this wonderful free yes. life where we can, you know, travel the world. And you think, oh, like, okay, that's actually kind of nice. But yeah, you have your loot, you're slowly losing your identity and simply becoming a part of somebody else's narrative. Mm-hmm. Right. And one of the most in my book, I have a healthy relationship checklist, right? And one of the things that the markers of a healthy relationship is that your partner is actually curious about you and your interests and who you are. Mm. And in an unhealthy relationship, your interests and the things you like to do start to go away as you blend Mm. into this other person. Mm. Right. And so that's the red flag, right? Mm. It should be I'm so curious about you as an individual. Mm, I'm so curious about the things that you enjoy. Mm. You love to work. Tell me about that. Mm. Mm -hmm. Tell me what you love about your job and what you do. Hi, Jean here. Did you know sensitive skin can be a major symptom of anxiety? That's why my line, Figgy Beauty, provides irritant-free skincare and brings back the luxury experience to sensitive souls like me with dry skin woes. Formulated with our hero ingredient, rooibos, which is scientifically proven to calm and soothe, I like to call it nature's gift to sensitive skin. Head over to figgybeauty.com and check out our range today. Again, it comes back to what you're saying, understanding yourself, asking the questions, being interested in the other party. Once you start losing that and you start losing Mm -hmm. your sense of self and who you are, in many instances, to me, it was like, well, I'd rather be miserable with him than miserable without him (laughs) because I I don't have a sense of self in any way. Yeah, it's very dangerous and it's very toxic. Yes. And I think that what I strive to do with my clients is to reconnect them with that part of themselves. Mm. So they actually know that they can be happy without them, Mm. you Mm -hmm. know, because there is this sense of I've lost myself. And so I don't even know who I am outside of this relationship. So clearly, obviously I will be miserable. Um, And there's that sense that you know, we have to, cause it's hard to rebuild your sense of self mm-hmm. while being downtrodden, mm-hmm. right? That's Absolutely. really difficult to achieve. So if we can rebuild enough, <clears throat> just enough to know that there's possibility 
mm-hmm. for more, right? Then it builds momentum. And I think it gives you uh, an idea of what's on the other side of like, oh gosh, yes, we can actually do this. There is something else. There is something more possible over there. Yeah. And you talk uh, about those components of happiness in your mm-hmm. book um, that I think you're trying t- to instill in your clients. Can you tell us what are those components of happiness? How do you define happiness and 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 see it? Because I think you've put it into three categories and I really enjoyed mm-hmm. going yeah. through those. Well, let me, let me, let me grab it because I think, <laughs> great. Because <laughs> I will absolutely. Um, what page are you on? I'll grab mine. <laughs> great question. Um, oh, I think. I just have to show yeah. the the viewers how proud I am of my copy as well. Oh, that's <laughs> gorgeous. My love note in it. <laughs> that's right. There we go. Um, so happiness really is um okay, so I think it's broken into three things that and again, like this is a this is philosophy, right? It could be anything. <laughs> subjective, <laughs> deeply subjective. <laughs> deeply subjective. And I do think that we need to look at it intentionally, right? And so if what it is for you is different than what I define here, that's fine, but let's speak intentional about it. Let's define mm-hmm. it. Um, so for me, I believe that it's having positive emotional experiences first of all, right? Mm -hmm. So falling in love, uh, looking at your sleeping baby, laughing with your friends, right? Um, Things like that, being present, taking a walk in nature, right? These are are emotional experiences that are adding value Mm -hmm. um, consistently Mm -hmm. to your life. And I think so many people, when they're in an unhealthy or unhappy relationship, they're actually not having those experiences. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Exactly. Um, Number two is having a deep sense of meaning and purpose. Mm. So whether that's work that makes a difference to others, um, you know, like what we do, like, like it, it's hard. (laughs) What we do is hard, but also it, for me, at least it, it fulfills me. I feel like I'm making a difference in the world. Mm. Um, when I do and my if, work, if you or don't mind, just... I'd love to say something about that one, because I find a lot of people get really stuck on this purpose being having to be of service and purpose uh-huh. can literally be my neighbor across the street who has lost her spouse. He passed a couple of years ago and every day she goes out and tends to the garden yes. that they had created together. So her yes. purpose is to keep this beautiful garden going. And so it's yeah. it's creating this this karmic energy of of movement and action. And so I just kind of wanted to point out that I love that. Yes, well. exactly. Right. It could be being of service. It could be, you know, about social justice, but it could be just living in alignment with your values. And like this is something that they created together and and it brings her a sense of purpose to be close to him every day. I love that. And I, I want to invite that. her to my garden to weed it. <laughs> I know, right? If you ever have any extra time and inclination. Come on over. <laughs> There's more. Please serve your um, purpose right here. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> Do you need more purpose? <laughs> um, so, and then the third one is having deep self-knowledge. And mm. a lot of people, I think, focus on self-esteem. But to me, I believe that 
the primary ingredient of self-esteem is self-knowledge, mm. right? So it's knowing that I, what I like and don't like, it's knowing who, what I stand for in the world, what my values are, who I, who I am, right? Mm -hmm. If I know myself and I know that my favorite color is orange and my, you know, I don't like mushrooms and I, right. And I can stand in that. Um, that is what gives me esteem, mm -hmm. right? It's, I think we feel like we have a lack of self-esteem when someone asks us something about ourselves and we don't know the answer. Then well, we that really feel... speaks. Yeah. It really speaks yeah. to why someone would struggle to make the ultimate decision if they are yeah. attached, hyper attached to that partner and they don't have the knowledge. They don't have the awareness I remember in uh, What I Wish I Knew that I wrote with Kendall Ann, she was broken down in tears in the aisle of the grocery store because she forgot what kind of soda she liked. That's right. Exactly. And she had to ask and, someone shopping, what are you buying? Oh. Right and that speaks to my vacant staring into the closet, right? I, mm. When you feel like a shell of your former self, when you mm -hmm. feel just empty and right? You don't know what soda you lost. like. You don't know what favorite, you know, you feel right. lost when you're, when someone says, what do you want for dinner? And your response is always, I don't know. What do you want? Right. The individuality. Yeah. I'm curious about how you think that this, the, the happiness pieces and the individuality and the self shows up differently during different phases of life. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say this is I'm currently supporting a client who is, I think she called it a gray divorce. I feel like it should be called a silver divorce, but <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll that's what that. her lawyer, yeah. that's what her lawyer calls herself. A, a gray, a gray yeah. divorce. Gray specialist. divorce is the, yeah. Gray divorce is the, right. is the official term for it, but yeah, I, I don't like that either. It. I want to go with silver, but either way, do you see this changing and shifting as people are in different phases of life. I do. I mean, I think, I think gray divorce is such a huge thing right now that there are specialists in it because I, it's one of those things where it's like the, the nest empties and then it's just us, <laughs> mm. you know, like, mm. ah, now we actually have to talk to each other and acknowledge the stuff that maybe the kids and the, you know, the way that we satellite parent, uh, when there's lots of kids and, or even one kid, right. And when you take, oh, you take him to soccer and I'll, you know, do whatever. Um, it's really easy to avoid actually addressing what's happening in the marriage. And then when the kids are gone and you're actually spending some time together and realizing, I don't actually like this person very much mm -hmm. that, you know, um, so I think that's a huge piece of the rise of gray divorce. Um, the financial piece is a huge part too. Um, where but also mortality, I think, right? And mortality, There's, right? We're getting closer, right? We're on <laughs> kind of on the other side of that hill and we're looking at the down slope and it's like, well, how do I want to live my life? Is this it? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. People, you know, I know women in my groups and stuff that are in their sixties and they're like, they're waking up all of a sudden mm -hmm. going, wait a minute, mm -hmm. wait a minute. Um, so yes, I do think it, I think different phases give different pieces of information. And I guess it depends on, you know, which is the loudest piece of information at any certain point. Um, you know, one of the things I will often ask my clients 
this is a clarifying question is, is this the person that you want to ride off into the sunset with? Hmm. Is this your person? And usually they're like, oh God, no. not that complicated is it really right because at the end of the day you know and I have uh, I have a very close friend one of my best friends and she and her husband went through some really 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 rough times but at the end of the day at the end of this she's like I know that on the other side of this he's the only person I want to you know sit on my porch in a rocking mm. chair with oh, that's he's so my amazing. best friend he's my oh, best yeah. friend mm-hmm. and there's no one else I want to like you know ride off into the sunset with or just like be on the porch you know with the kids and or, you know the grandkids or whatever he's my person mm-hmm. and so she could kind of get through all the life stuff and it was big life stuff but they could get through it because she knew she just had it in her sites. Mm-hmm. This is the person. That's actually mm. part of our family mantra. It's very much the same with my husband. He um he really came into my life in a big way and we've been through hell and back a couple of times because of my past and um yeah. difficulties that I've had. But we always say that it's okay as long as we're together because we're stronger mm-hmm. together. So Whatever else happens and however, how bad it gets, as long as we're together, it's going to be okay. You know, we Mm -hmm. we can figure that out. Um, And I mean, I actually feel so, (laughs) I actually feel a little bit emotional to be able to say that in a conversation like this, because I do not come from a background like that. I had no role models like that. I didn't have marriages to model like that this is so far out of my frame of reference and out of my framework so to be able to sit here and can say something like that about a husband when I never even thought I'd get married is um I'm very grateful it's amazing amazing and it should be it's like how beautiful right because like I want everyone to talk about their spouses in a way that makes them emotional Mm. right I want everyone to be like I'm so lucky that I found my person and that like I because so few of us came from a model that almost none of us got a blueprint of marriage or relationships that was remotely healthy Mm. and so right we have the opportunity to give that to our kids now but we didn't get it Right. So to overcome whatever had to be overcome and to do the work and to find a person who's willing to do that work with you and to sit in the difficulties Mm -hmm. and sit in the hard stuff and say, like, yes, but I've got you. Right. I've got you. And it's us together as -hmm. opposed to this push and pull Mm -hmm. and like, well, that's your stuff. And, you know, right. It's like, okay. Like I always say that if, um, if one per if a relationship isn't working for one person, the relationship's not working. Mm-hmm. And so we, ha- right. We have to address it. Hey, there's some stuff in this relationship that's making me feel uncomfortable. I'm scared, or maybe it's me. I don't know. And if you have a partner who says, oh, well then let's take a look at that together. 
so that we can uncover whether it is something in the relationship, whether it is something that's your, right? But when your partner's response is, sounds like a you problem, or like maybe <laughs> mm-hmm. you should go to therapy for that, or I don't know, but I don't know, is it, you know, um, you know, are, is it is it that time of the month? <laughs> you know, like any anything like that, um, then that's not going to work. But if you have a part like that partnership and like, I want to, like, we all want to feel that we all want to feel like, I'm so happy that I found my person that it brings me to tears. Like, Oh, (laughs) I I love something that I'm, I'm pulling out of all of these different pieces of this conversation is that when making the ultimate decision, it's not necessarily going to be based on whether the marriage is hard, whether Mm -hmm there's been trauma, whether there's difficulty, not even whether you particularly enjoy the person's presence at all times, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but, but are you still deeply connected to who you are Mm -hmm. despite those things within that relationship and at the foundation, despite those things, is there a knowing that this person is your person and that you can be yourself while being with this person? Yeah. And that the other person is just as committed as you are to your self-growth and vice versa. Like it's not, Mm -hmm. it's something that's that's encouraged and respected and celebrated. It's not something that's judged or demeaned. Right. Right. That's in my healthy relationship checklist. Um, (laughs) You know, it is. You said it's about them being curious about you though. That was such a neat way to put that. Right. I mean, it really is right. And celebrated and interested and 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 those parts of you that are sort of inexplicably you outside of the relationship should be fostered as you said Jean and and celebrated right including relationships right to to be with someone who says hey you know what you haven't been on a girls night for a while you haven't been on a girls trip for like a couple of months why don't you get the girls together, go away, go do something. I got this here. You need mm. that. Right. To have someone who, who sees the things, right. You know, we haven't talked, we haven't seen your parents in a few months. Why don't let's make Figure sure that we, out. Yeah. yeah. Or even, you know, or even if they don't think of it for you, but just as soon as you say like, Hey, I want to go out, you know, with the girls tonight, the response should be go have a great time. Yes. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they should leave you alone. <laughs> because, <laughs> yes, absolutely. You know, another red flag is you go out and do the thing that's outside of them. And then they start texting you all night. And there's always a crisis. Mm-hmm. There's always something that happens that they need you, right, to pull your attention away. Right. So, no. Like you mm-hmm. go out with your friends, those relationships should be fostered. Like you go, have fun. I'll see you when you get home. Thank you for tuning into this special episode with Kate Anthony. We have so much more to discuss about her book, The D Word, Making the Ultimate Decision About Your Marriage. Tune in next week for part two of our conversation with Kate, where we dive deep into divorce with young children, divorce when your children are already grown, how to make this exit with grace and start the next chapter of your life. For now, we wish you the best week from us, the Sensitivity Doctors, and we'll see you again next week for part two of our conversation with Kate Anthony.